right, from the Anglican tradition. Um, and what we're going to do is go through this. It's going to take us on a bit of a journey um, into God's presence. It's going to um, help us prepare our hearts for when Sharon comes and shares what God has got to say to us today. When someone gets up to speak, and it's, you know, whatever you choose to call it, a sermon or um, homily, we need to um, be aware that this is the opportunity for God to speak into our hearts and give that person and that time respect and to be attentive. So, um, the bits that are in uh, dark print, we all say together. The bits that are in italics, I will say. Okay, so we say together the opening statement. Lord Jesus, light of the world, bring the light, love and power of your presence into our lives. Chasing away dark shades of care and worry, that we may freely know and declare your presence to ourselves and each other. Amen. Let's just um, have a moment of silence to reflect on the words that we've just said and invite God um, to be all that we need at this moment. Worship is declaring God's worth. When we do this, we put our lives in perspective with God. This is very important at the beginning of any gathering of God's people or any time of personal prayer. And if we don't do that, we can end up just focusing on ourselves and our problems. Let us now, we're not going to be singing, um, so I've put out there's some songbooks, there's some Bibles. Let us inspire each other to declare the worthiness of our God um, and use either our own words, <coughs> the words of the Bible, or maybe the words of the song that we know. And let's encourage each other I was actually reading Job this morning, and that's got some amazing um, verses about creation. But I won't give you that lot just now. Okay, I'm going to read a little bit just from Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and then crowned him with glory and honour. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name. Dear Lord and Father of mankind, forgive our foolish ways. Reclothe us in our rightful mind, in purer lives thy service find, in deeper reverence praise, in deeper reverence praise. Drop thy still dews of quietness till all our strivings cease. Take from our souls the strain and stress, and let our older lives confess the beauty of thy peace, the beauty of thy Share 
the Lord's my shepherd, I will not want. He makes me lie down in pastures green. He leads me by the still, still waters. His goodness restores my soul. He guides my ways in righteousness, and he anoints my head with oil, and my cup is overflowing with joy. I feast on his pure delight. Though I walk the darkest path, I will not fear the evil one. For you are with me, and your rod and staff are the comfort I need to know. remember this passage. It's not a passage really, it's just something I read and it's about the Lord being our protector, our deliverer, our guide, and giver of great joy. Lord, I come before your throne of grace. I find rest in your presence and fullness of joy. In worship and wonder, I behold your face, singing, What a faithful God am I. Lord of mercy, you have heard my cry. Through the storm, you're the beacon, my song in the night. In the shelter of your wings, hear my heart's reply, singing, What a faithful God have I. Lord, all sovereign, grant in peace from heaven. Let me comfort those who suffer with the comfort you have given. I will tell of your great love for as long as I live, singing, What a faithful God have I! What a faithful God have I! What a faithful God! What a faithful God have I! Faithful in every way. Overwhelmed by love, deeper than oceans, high as the heavens, Ever-living God, your love has rescued me. All my sin was laid on your dear Son, your precious one. All my debt you paid. Great is your love for me. No one could ever earn your love. Your grace and mercy is free. Lord, these words are true. So is my love for you. The Lord reigns. Psalm 93, he is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed, he has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from of old, you are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. Your testimonies are very sure. Holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forever. Breathe on me, breath of God, fill me with life in you, that I may love that what thou dost love and do what thou wouldst do. Breathe on me, breath of God, until my heart is pure 
until my will is one with thine, to do and to endure. Breathe on me, breath of God, till I am wholly thine, until this earthly path in me goes with thy side desire divine. Breathe on me, breath of God, so shall I never die, but live with thee the perfect life of thine eternity. Holds the key to salvation, Jesus is over all. He is the Lord of creation. Alleluia, 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 Lord. He is the rock ever standing, no man hath broken down. He is truth everlasting. He is a light in the darkness, all men shall see his face. He breaks all chains to redeem us. All power to him who is mighty, all praise to him who is God, all glory now. riches of his grace, all the fullness of his blessings, all the sweetness of his love, he gives to you, he gives to me. One of the things um, that can happen when we worship and we put God um, in perspective, we honour him for who he is. And it's not just his name, like what he's called. His name is always um, coupled with his deeds. So he's the God who saves, he's the God who supplies, he's the God who heals, and he calls himself, um, I am God the healer, I am God the provider. So he, his, his name and his deeds and his person are all intertwined together. And when we focus on God, one of the things that can happen is we suddenly become aware of the fact that maybe things aren't so good between us and God. And there may be, um, if there is any kind of distance, there seems to be a, 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 you know, a haze or a fog between us and God, it's always our fault, never his. God never ever steps back from us. He's always approaching us, always um, on, uh, you know, he wants to be on good terms with us. And it's like, okay, what is it? Why is there a, um, a there seems to be a breaking relationship? And then it's up, up to us to, to kind of say, okay, God, what is it? And in the Anglican Church, um, they have what they call the general confession. So I've reworded this a little bit. And um, if we can just say together the words that begin, Almighty God, I confess. Um, and then we'll have a little bit of silence after that and ask God to speak to us if there's anything particular um, that we need to do something about. Okay, so let's say together. Almighty God, I confess before you that I have sinned in the wrong I have done 
and lived by a martyrdom. Through weakness, thoughtlessness, and deliberate intent, have mercy on me. Okay, now let's just have a moment of silence. If something comes to mind, don't go looking for stuff, you know, don't dig up your daffodil bulbs to see if they're growing. Um, we, uh, if there's something that's come to mind and you know you need to put it right, uh, there's someone you need to go and ask for forgiveness, um, in, be intentional about doing that. Let's bring ourselves to God um, and be confident that when we confess, he forgives. Okay? So let's have a little bit of silence before God. That's enough of that. And let's say it again, because we can be confident. We don't want to do navel gazing. Um, if it doesn't kind of come to mind immediately, then probably there's nothing to worry about. Okay? Um, and let's say together when I confess my sins. Okay? When I confess my sins, Jesus, you are faithful and just to forgive my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Amen. And Jesus um, taught his disciples a prayer. Um, this is not the words that you might be used to. These are not the words you may be used to. Um, uh, so if we say this together and be aware um, that there might be some differences uh, to how you're used to in prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Help us to our battles with temptation, and deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. So we um, put God in his rightful place in worship. We've confessed our sins and received forgiveness. And now we are, if you like, ready um, to hear what God has to say to us. And Sharon um, is going to bring God's word to us and bless us with what God has for us. Okay, I think I'll, if it's all right, I'll just stay here because that feels a bit, um, it's quite informal, isn't it? So I won't get up to the front. Okay. Um, I've had on my mind now um, these words, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're all the same, where there's like a scripture or a few words from scripture that you're aware of and they just keep going over in, in your head. And for the last few months, and if I've, if I've talked to you about this with anybody, you know, I'm sorry, I might hear a bit of this again, but um, I've been thinking about um, some words in the book of Acts. And so I'm going to read the story, but as I read it, um, just trying, because I, I don't know about you, but sometimes we can get so familiar that we just think, oh yeah, that's just a story. But if you can kind of, in your imagination, think about this happening and, and think about all the, um, all the nuances of it and, and the, the practicalities of it, because it, it's not just a story, it actually happened um, in you know, real time with real people. And when you kind of think about it like that, I think it's quite a... It's quite interesting. So, um, I've got a title and it's called Adventures in Showing Unusual Kindness. So I might have given away where the, where the story's from, but it's from Acts 27 
and we're going to read from 39, uh, Acts 27, 39, and then 28, 1 to 10. And just to give you a bit of the backstory, this is this is where Paul um, was being um, tried for speaking the good news of Jesus, and he had to. They had to get him to Rome because that was where um, the 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 courts of trial were. Um, so he's on a ship with a lot of other people, and um, they they come across various storms and incidences. And I'll talk a bit more about it when I've uh, read it. Now, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned it possible to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea. At the same time, loosening the ropes, they tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, if you're a sailor, this probably means more, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The boats stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that they were all brought safely to land. So if you just imagine that for a minute, you know, it's quite a chaotic scene, I would imagine. Just people kind of swimming if they can, people getting bits of wood and trying to get to land. It, it, it must have been really, uh, you know, something to see. So then we go on to Acts 28, 1 to 10. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native peoples showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native peoples saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting, waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But then, when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighbourhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honoured us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. I don't know about you, but, you know, when I read that story, it's, it's just so... Um, I don't know, it's fascinating. You can just imagine that the people seeing this happening off the coast and, you know, children maybe on the beach wondering what's going on and, and lots of people gathering around watching and alerting other people in the town. And um, I just find it a fascinating scene. Um, but what's interesting is that, that 
they showed their unusual kindness by lighting that fire and by preparing food way before they knew who was going to come and land uh, on that beach. And in many ways, you know, maybe it was a good thing um, that they did, because actually on that boat, not only was the poor, but there were serious criminals. Um, because apparently the, the court they were going to in Rome was one that actually they, that was where serious criminals went to be tried. Um, and I just find it really fascinating that they um, would do that just for strangers before they knew. They didn't wait to form a judgment on these people and say, well, you know, are they worthy of this, making this fire, providing this food? Um, their instinct was to help. And these islanders, they, um, the other fascinating thing about the story is that um, they're called natives. Um, and that basically means that they didn't speak Greek, proper Greek, they didn't speak Hebrew, and they didn't speak Latin. So they wouldn't have been able to communicate very well with all these people that came onto the beach who didn't speak the same language. And yet they could do enough to show welcome and hospitality through their unusual kindness. And um, I just think it's a, a fascinating story. And it's not just a story, it's a kind of, it's a true story. Um, and I think it was Mark Twain that said, Kindness is a language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. And it's true, isn't it? And I forgot to say at the beginning, but this is going to be interactive. I've got, um, I've got some stuff for us to, to look at together, so I'm not going to talk for long. I want us to kind of look at it together. Um, so that's, that's kind of uh, setting the scene of, of who they were. Um, and how they were able to communicate without actually speaking the same language. And I don't know if you've ever been to a country where you don't really have the language, but you really want to kind of express yourself. It is possible, it's not easy, is it? But it's possible. And I think um, food is a great mm. communicator <laughs> because we all need to eat, you know, um, and we're all, we all relax around the table, we all relax over food. And their, their dire need was, was warmth and food, and they met that need. And they weren't actually believers in Jesus at this point. The gospel hadn't come to Malta. Um, and so the, the thing that I really got from this was, because of their unusual kindness, because they responded to that need, through Paul, the gospel came to that island. And also... It came because um, Publius, who was the island official, was quite a, quite a man who would have had land and, and property. As we read, his father was sick. And um, <coughs> Paul stays with Publius for three days in his home. And as, as we read in the story, his father was healed. And then because of that, they brought all the islanders who were sick and needed curing to, to them. And that got me thinking about when we show unusual kindness, we don't do it for the benefits. We do it because, I'll get on to why we do it in a minute, but we do it um, as followers of Jesus. But because of the way God is <coughs> and, and his character, we are the ones that get blessed as well. 
Um, so if you think about how those islanders in Malta, the, the blessing they received, you know, the whole island basically was cured of their illnesses. Um, and if they'd have just rejected that um, boat and, you know, said, oh, well, you know, they've made the bed, as it were, of a boat, you know, and they can lie in it, as the saying goes, um, then what would they have missed out on coming? And that's why I called it an adventure in unusual kindness, because actually it is. You know, if we respond to, um, to people with unusual kindness, then often we're the ones as well that receive the blessing. Um, and they actually, you know, when, when the, uh, they started to build the fire, uh, Paul was warming his hands, they probably thought, and the snake came, they probably thought, oh my goodness, what on earth have we let ourselves in for? Um, because obviously the snake attached to Paul, and the feeling was that if it had bitten him, he would have died. And they obviously had, although they weren't believers, they obviously had, well, they obviously had a conscience. They knew the right thing to do, and they did it. But they obviously had a sense of justice because then they thought, well, he was probably a murderer and it was judgment. Um, so, you know, it doesn't do away with, by showing unusual kindness, it doesn't mean that we don't sometimes feel fearful, um, but we press on trusting God. And as it happened, um, it was a good thing that they did. So they, they actually stayed um, three days with Publius, but they actually stayed there for three months. Um, in total and um, during that time I'm sure there must have been much more interaction with Paul over the healings and who had done it and who this Jesus was that he believed in and so uh, you know Malta became a, a, an island of was known for Christianity um, it's interesting that the Greek word for hospitality and you may have heard me say this before the Greek word is um, philozenia. And philozenia means love of strangers. It's where we get the word xenophobia from, which is fear of strangers. So when we're told to be hospitable, um, we're actually told to love the stranger. I think for all of us, and I know for myself, it's not so difficult to invite people around that we know or to show unusual kindness to those that we know um, because we know them, you know. Um, but philozenia, hospitality, is actually about showing kindness, unusual kindness and welcome to people we don't know. And that's a challenge, isn't it? Um, but it's always been God's heart. There's a verse in Leviticus um, 19, 33 to 34, where we they were told to treat the foreigner or the alien as if they were their own. Which is a similar kind of thing, isn't it? Thinking about alien. Um, and I just think, you know, when I saw, because I was, you know, doing some research and I saw an up-to-date version of, of people on boats, boats that were crammed full of refugees seeking help. Um, towards the island of Malta. Um, it's very uh, appropriate for us today, isn't it, in our society, where people are looking for refuge, people are looking for hope, people are, are having to move out of their own lands of what they know and become foreigners. And it's a challenge to us about how we respond to that. 
And I gather that Malta is quite a small island. It's 17 miles long, and it's eight and a half miles wide. So it's not very big. Um, and there are 500,000 people on that island. So if you imagine that, um, it's, it's a really you know, small area with a lot of people. But even today, they are wanting to show hospitality to these boats that are coming um, from parts of the world where you know, they're needing to flee and get away from. So it's an interesting challenge. Um, can I just ask you, where, I've just, geography is not my strong point, where is Malta? Well, it's, I think it's, um, anybody, geography, is it near the bottom of Italy? Italy. Yeah. It's yeah. near the bottom of Italy. Just check it. So, why, I don't know about you, but if I know why I'm supposed to do something, I find it easier to do it. It's just, I've got quite a, I think I've got quite a logical brain. And so I like to know, well, why would God ask me to show unusual kindness? And if we look in the Bible, in Titus 3, verse 4, it says, But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. So we have been shown unusual kindness by God, haven't we? I think we'd all agree with that. We... Um, uh, in Romans 2, verse 4, it speaks of God's kindness leading us to repentance. And, you know, can you imagine the creator of the world, the, the one that made it, coming into his own world, his own people that he created, and then what? They, they were not wanting to know him. And in fact, ended up crucifying him. And we could say, well, yes, but we didn't do that. But if we'd have been there, the chances are we would have responded the same. Because we do that now with him sometimes, don't we? I know I do. So, you know, if you, if you think of it like that, if you think of the, the kindness that God has shown us in sending Jesus when <coughs> we were really his enemies, when we didn't want to know him, when we just want to do our own thing and live our own lives our way, um, and yet the creator of it all comes and says, I want relationship with you, then I can't think of a more unusual kindness than that. And then he says to us that we're to be like him, we're to follow him. So if we are in any doubt about why we sh should show that unusual kindness, I think we just have to look at the cross. We just have to look at what God has done for us when we were his enemies. Um, and out of that, hopefully, an overflow comes in us, and um, you know we we feel like we've received so much from God through Jesus that we have to then go out and show that same unusual kindness. <coughs> and I think um, you think, well, how can I put this into practice? Because it's one thing to say, you know, we should be people who show unusual kindness, um, and I think. You know, as we talk, as we've said, it's easy to kind of, in some ways, be kind. And you know, many people in the world would, you know, want to be kind, and and, and indeed are kind. Um, but unusual kindness kind of takes it a step further, doesn't it? It's like when Jesus said, um, "Those um, who love those that love them." Well, even the the pagans, as Jesus put it. Um, the unbelievers do that. So we're called to something higher than just that kind of reciprocal 
well, she loves me, so I'll love her kind of kindness. And we're called to this, you know, much wider thing where Jesus tells us to love our enemies and to bless those who curse us. And it's easy to say and hard to do. But I think it's a good reminder that, you know, this is this is what we're called to do. And Jesus modelled it. Um, and I, I actually think that one of the um, challenges and one of the one of the places that it's probably e um, not easier, um, it happens most easy, is the table. Um, and we touched on that a little bit earlier, but, um, and it's interesting that even on the island it was food that they got for them. Because as we said, we all have to eat. And Jesus, a lot of Jesus' life of showing unusual kindness to people happened over food and around a table. And he modeled it sometimes as a host, but sometimes as a guest, and sometimes as a stranger. So there are seasons in our lives, and we're all in, in different places. So we don't all have to be the host necessarily, although maybe times when God calls us to be the host. Um, but I think it's more, what's our, um, what's our heart attitude whether we're the host, whether we're the guest, or whether we're the stranger, are we in that place to show unusual kindness, to show welcome? Because Jesus was uh, a host when he cooked fish on the beach after the resurrection. And, you know, that's an incredible story, again, when you think about it. He's just come back from the dead, and he's got his disciples around him. And I think if it was us, we'd say, well, okay, let's have a seminar about this, you know, let's <laughs> put you all in rows and I'll teach you, you know, what's just happened here. But no, he's like cooking fish on the beach for his friends. And, and yet he's the God of everything. Um, but he was there welcoming them to his new kingdom, to the new reality of what it would mean to follow him. And then um, he was a guest he was a guest quite often, but he was a guest at Simon the Pharisee's house, if you remember. And all these Pharisees were looking at how they could trip him up. Um, and a woman comes in and, and welcomes him by the way she treats him and, and um, washes his uh, feet with her, her tears. And, and, and yet Jesus was there, ready to welcome, ready to receive her. And then he was a stranger with the woman at the well, the woman in Samaria. And he needed a drink. And Jesus actually makes himself quite vulnerable there. You know, he's, he's God, but he asks a woman for a drink. And a woman that he knew everything about. Um, but he wanted, he wanted to welcome her. He wanted to, to get to the, the reality of where she was at so that he could welcome her. And so I think we don't um, necessarily all have to think, oh, well, you know, that's not for me, I can't be a host, you know, or whatever. Um, we can all be people that show unusual kindness, and we can all be people that show welcome, in whatever context it, it, it may be. Um, and I think we can first model it in our own community, because if we don't get it there, the chances are we're not going to get it outside. And so it's a challenge to us, I think, to look 
but ways that we can show kindness, unusual kindness, within, within our own community, which hopefully will be a good starting point because it should hopefully be a bit easier because, you know, we've had a chance to get to know each other and to, you know, there is an element of that. Um, it's not, we're not enemies, hopefully. <laughs> um, and, you know, just in the things like eating together so that people aren't eating alone. It's an act of kindness, isn't it? Um, many people have to eat alone. And so for those of us that don't, maybe we can show an act of kindness to invite those that would otherwise be eating alone. Um, so I think it, I, I've, got, I've got some questions, but I, I, I feel kind of like, as I was thinking about that in a bit more depth this morning, um, that it's a call to us to, to kind of look out for those of us in, in our community that we can start showing. I, you know, in a sense, I, I, I personally don't think it, at this point we're talking about unusual kindness within our community. It's just a kind thing to do. But then as a community of people and as individuals who have experienced that kindness and God's kindness, we then move on to say, how can we show unusual kindness to a world that is drifting, a world that is full of loneliness and isolation, a world that's full of mental health issues for various reasons, a world that's full of people on the brink of suicide, um, you know, without painting a morbid picture, we, our world is, is desperate for unusual kindness. Mm. Um, so I think that, you know, uh, and, and, and we see it actually in, in, as I've said, in the refugee crisis. So just some thoughts for us to kind of um, take away. And I would um, kind of encourage us to look at that story in Acts. It's 27 and 28. And ask God to challenge us with it. These were people that didn't know him at this point. And yet they took that step. Um, and we, you know, have the privilege of, of knowing Jesus. Um, and we have this call to show the kindness that God has shown towards us to a world that needs it. So what I've done is, um, I thought it'd be good, I don't know how much time we've got. However long you need. Okay, just in, if you want to take, take one and pass one on, um, you don't have to write, write anything down if you haven't actually got any pens, you know, might have some. But um, if you just want to look at these questions, and then in a few minutes we'll, we'll, we'll just give it three minutes, we'll come back and share together um, what our responses to it might be. I've got a pen here if anybody needs it. I've got spare ones off in my inbox. Yeah, I don't 
one. Well, what I thought was if it give you the chance to jot to anything down, down to fix it first, first. Yeah. and then we can come back and discuss it. That's why I put resistance. So the first question, how is showing unusual kindness an act of spiritual warfare or an act of resistance? What I mean by that is, you know sometimes, for those of us that have perhaps been around church life a bit longer than us, we can think that spiritual warfare is all about, you know, claiming the ground and, you know, uh, standing against the enemy and, yeah, and uh, speaking in time, you know, all, all this kind of thing. But I want us to think about spiritual warfare as in fighting against the powers, as something that is is contradictory to the way sometimes our society tells us to live. So we're not going out there all guns blazing, standing against things. We're simply living our lives in the way that God called us to live. And, and I've, we'll, we'll talk about it, but I believe that is a, a profound act of spiritual warfare in itself because we're living against the grain of the way it's like not passing on the other side of the road. Yeah, that's one instance. Yeah, and and showing and you, you know, whereas some people would stop at kindness to those who are kind to them, we say no, I'm going to be kind to yeah. the person that isn't kind to me, or who isn't anything to you. Yeah, yeah. or you don't know, it's a stranger. Random. Yeah, 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 a, a, a random. Yeah, a stranger. Do you need any more time or shall we just go through it? Yeah, but you could sort of say, oh, hello, nice to see you, yeah, they and not put yourself out. They did no, I mean, do, doing an act of kindness. Well, I mean, that's really good if that's the way you see it. But I don't I think everybody think. necessarily feels that way. I think for some, we might... I think it's harder with strangers, isn't it? Or, like, if it was a hardened criminal, I think you'd find it harder. Well, you wouldn't necessarily know that it's a hardened I'm saying, say you did know that they were like a hardened criminal or a dodgy, would you still, you know, come out with the same thing? Let me give you another example. When uh, the Bosnian War ended, a lot of them, or during the end of it, a lot of them came to Luton. The, the, the Muslim charities weren't quite working at full pelt at that point. So a lot of the people that met them were Christians. But they were coming off the plane with, you know, yeah. the full kit on them. And so both sides were thinking, <laughs> you know, the people coming off the plane are thinking, who are these people? They're church people. What's happening now, 
we've, we've, we've been having harassment of church people back in Bosnia. And then several months later, some of the churches are finding people turning up at the back of the church with the full gear on. Mm. Uh, and so eventually they go to them and say, you're very welcome. We're a little surprised to see you. And this particular couple said that this church in Glasgow, everything that happened to us was the opposite of what we expected. And we're very curious mm. about why you people are different to what we're expecting. So the people at Luton could have said, they look after Muslims and not bothered. The, the people coming off the plane could have just point blank refused to deal with them. But they all dealt with each other and there was an unusual kindness. There would have been a lot of people who just said they've made their own yeah. mess, they can get on with it. And so even in contemporary situations, we sometimes can help people that we just see, you know, when on the day after 9-11, a local pastor here rang the mosque and said, if you have any trouble, call us. That's right. And dozens of church people come down and stand outside your building to make sure it doesn't get attacked. That's amazing. So that's the yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, he was a man we all know, actually. So it, it was sort of coming out of the comfort zone, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Mm. And yeah. it's sacrificial. Yeah. 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 And um, as I was researching this is that there's something called Refugees UK and they're on Instagram and there's a lady there, she's 79 and she lives in Italy and because, you know, parts of that country have taken a stand against yeah. accepting immigrants, she has got this 17 year old um, Sudanese boy stay in, staying with her in her two bedroom flat um, and you know, to me that's unusual kindness yeah. Because it's easy to say, but harder to do, you know. She's actually put herself out there. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a beautiful picture of them reading a book together, you know, chatting together, if you go to the, the site. Uh, and try to say to God, and you point that out, the invisible people do this. Um, yeah. Like, you might walk past the, yeah. the person who's begging. Now, I'm, um, I come from a family background that um, uh, benefits didn't exist when I was a child. And so when my dad was laid off work, um, we, uh, my mum bought bones that people might have fed their dog with. Um, we had just enough money for some vegetables she made and soup. We might have lived on that for a fortnight. And I'm not trying to get you to feel sorry for me that I had a terrible childhood. I did, it was fantastic. Um, and I'm not complaining, what I'm saying is, um, so for me, when I, I see that there are people who swing the leg with benefits, that really irritates me. Um, mm. And I see people begging like, are you a part of the syndicate and that actually you're, um, but then I, I may, I say to myself, okay, would you like a coffee? And buy that person a coffee. Um, and it's that kind of, I'm going to be intentional about challenging my own attitudes mm. in this, even though I really am still, mm. you know, benefits are great and I'm glad we live in a country that still has that quality towards people in need. Um. I think, um, just to close, intentionality yes. is really key. Because what I find is, I can say the words, and by saying them, I think I've done it. 
Mm. You know, okay, we should show unusual kindness. But actually, then I have to go and actually do it. It's no good saying, um, oh, you know, God really spoke to me about unusual kindness. Then we have to go out, you know, even this week and say, okay, God, how, how can I do that this week? How can mm. I actually, you know, just sort of saying the words doesn't mean you've ticked it off the list. You know, mm. we're actually called to do it. And for me, that's, I need to remember that. So maybe we could just end by praying and asking God to, you know, to help us this week. Because I think if we've got our eyes open, if we live with our eyes wide open, it's all around us. I think sometimes, you know, we, I can be a bit blinkered, going, just focusing on what I've got to do. And actually sometimes it's diverging a bit that God wants us to do. Because that's what happened with Jesus so often. And it's being willing to be taken off our focus for a while. So let's just perhaps end with um, a prayer for that. Dick, do you want to pray for us? Dear Lord, as we love people in your name, we ask that you will build trust, that you will dismantle stereotypes, and that the compassion of God will undermine the narrative of the evil one in people's lives. That they will see your love spoken out and embodied uh, in our lives. Dear God and Father, bless every life in this room. Uh, I bless you all in the name of Jesus that you uh, may know uh, uh, unusual kindness this week and that you may demonstrate unusual kindness this week. Uh, the Holy Spirit is your comforter and your empower. You would not be doing this alone, but we ask that you, Holy Spirit, will come and be with us all as we seek to live for Jesus uh, in the next seven days. We ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.